Good morning, everybody. Glad that you are here with us today. My name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Epic. And if you are new with us, today we are starting a brand new series on this subject of making great God-honoring decisions. If you're a Christ follower, this is a real important um, series for you. You know, I think all of us want to learn how to make great God-honoring decisions, uh, decisions that we know our God will be pleased with. If you're not a Christ follower, I think this would be a great series for you as well. Uh, here's why. You may say, you know, and I'm not sure I believe all that the Bible teaches, but the, the cool thing is you don't have to believe all that the Bible teaches in order to benefit from the wisdom that the Bible offers. So there's a lot that you can learn uh, from this series about making great decisions that can benefit your life and you can still kind of be searching and trying to figure out whether Christianity is something for you. So I think this series will be beneficial for all of us, whether you're a Christ follower or not. Now, let me give you a quick disclaimer about today's message, okay? So today's message is going to be a little confusing, and there is a high probability that you're going to leave today asking, like, what am I supposed to do with what Trent just said? Like, I'm not really sure. So just relax. There's going to be a lot of us in that category, okay? So we'll all leave together just a little bit confused. There, there's a, 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 hopefully a little comfort in that, even though you may question my study practices. Now, uh, there are some deep truths in the Bible that require that we search for that we don't just gloss over them. They're, they're not easily understood. They're not easily explained. There are some truths in the Bible that, that we have to dig deeper on. And we have to say, you know what? I don't fully understand this, but I'm not going to gloss over it. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to marinate in this. I'm going to spend some time learning what it means to live with this and wrestle with this and understand what God wants me to do with this. There's all kinds of subjects like that in the Bible that God says, listen, spend some time there. And this is one of them. And the important thing about this topic today that we're going to look at, it's the beginning of learning how to make great God-honoring decisions. So this is going to be important for us to start here, even though you know, I wish we could have started at an easier spot. God has us in this spot, starting with this thing, and you'll understand once we get into the passages that we're going to look at today. So with that super exciting disclaimer, how many of you are like super jazzed and ready for today's message? Woo, all right, you are here and ready, so get your seatbelts on. Now, let me ask you a totally random question. How many of you are tired? How many of you are just exhausted? A lot of hands going up. Okay, so I so wish that I could just say, hey, catch up on your sleep during the service. <laughs> I, some of you do. I wish it was comfortable sleep. I know the benches that we have are not all that comfortable, so I'll do my best to, to work up my way through this so we can get you home, back to your couch, or back to your bed for a nap this afternoon. Um, but it makes a lot of sense that you're a little tired. You've had a lot of decisions to make. And I, I want you to, to think for a moment about some of the basic decisions that you've had to make over this past week, okay? So you had to decide what time to get up. Big decision, isn't it? Especially if you want to stay in bed a little longer. It's a tough decision. How many times am I going to hit the snooze before I get up? You had to decide whether you were going to take a shower in the morning. Another big decision. If the person next to you is wearing a lot of cologne or perfume or not, you know their decision that they make. 
You had to decide what clothes that you were going to wear, what you were going to eat for breakfast, what time you were going to get to work or school, what you were going to do at work or school, or or if you were at home throughout the day. And there were lots of decisions that you have to make throughout your day uh, for things that you'll be involved in or not. You had to decide what you were going to eat for lunch. You had to decide when you were heading home. You had to decide what you were doing for dinner. You had to decide what you were going to do that night. If you have children, you had to make lots of decisions for you and lots of decisions for them. If you have uh, parents that you are caring for, you had to make a lot of decisions with them and for them. So there's all kinds of decisions that we make uh, all the time. And some of the decisions that we make are relatively easy. You know, what what am I going to eat for breakfast? Cheerios or Lucky Charms? I I don't know. I don't know what you eat for breakfast, but hopefully that's one of the smaller decisions that we make. But there are other decisions that we make that aren't all that easy to make. There are decisions that stop us in our tracks, decisions that we say, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure. Relational decisions, financial decisions, job decisions, health decisions. There's all kinds of decisions that slow us down, and we take a lot of time and a lot of energy to make those types of decisions. So again, we've got all kinds of decisions that we're making from easy to hard all throughout our lifetime. Now, some of the research that I looked at in preparation for today's message suggests that the average person makes hundreds of decisions in a day. Hundreds of decisions. Again, some decisions are like habits, like we don't even think about them. Anybody ever drive home from work and not sure how you got home? Like you pull in the driveway and you're like, I don't even remember stopping at a stoplight. Like, I hope I did. I'm not sure. I just got home. Here I am. Uh, So there's some decisions that they're just kind of habit. We just do them. And then there are other decisions that are a little bit more difficult. But let's just say that we all make an average of 200 decisions a day. Some of us maybe make more. Some of us may make less. But let's just say 200 decisions a day. So if you add that up in a year, that's 73,000 decisions in a year. All right, now let's stretch that out even further. So multiply that by the average life expectancy in the United States, which is 79 years. That would be 5,767,000 decisions. So it makes sense that you're a little tired, right? You, you have, I think, a reason, good reason for being a little tired. You've had a lot on your mind. Now, let me add another thing for you to think about. It's been said that life is the sum of all of our choices. So if we were to add up the 5 million plus decisions, that would summarize your life. That would, that would, that's what you'd be known for. That's what you'd be remembered for. And I don't know about you, but that's kind of sobering to me. To, to think at some point in my life, like right now, I can look back at my life and go, you know, my life, the summary of it is just pretty much all the decisions I've made. I made some good decisions, I think, in my life. I also made some pretty lousy ones in my life as well. And each decision that we make sets our lives on a course, in a direction. Decisions have momentum, and they push us in a direction, and then we get this accumulative effect that happens with some of our decisions. And sometimes one decision leads to another decision, leads to another decision, and then all of a sudden we don't see how they're connected, but later we go, oh, wow, like I started here and ended there. How did that happen? It was decisions that we made. So our lives are basically the sum of the decisions that we make. Now, it gets even more sobering when we understand what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. So he says this, he says, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. 
We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in our earthly bodies. So one day, we're going to stand before God. We're going to look into the eyes of a holy God, and we're going to answer for the decisions that we've made. We're going to answer for, for the momentum our lives went in. We're going to answer for, for the decisions that we made that propelled our lives in the direction of the sum total of what our lives have become. That's humbling. It's humbling to think that one day, God and I, God and you, are going to have a conversation about the decisions that you've made. Now, the really cool thing about God is that he doesn't say, listen, I'm going to judge you, but I'm not going to help you. He doesn't say that. God says, listen, I'll help you. I'll help you learn how to make great God-honoring decisions. It's kind of like a teacher saying, hey, there's a test. There's a final at the end of the class. God doesn't say, sucks to be you because I'm not helping you. Get ready. God says, you know, there's a final and I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll give you all the help that you need. If you'll listen to me, I'll show you what uh, will help you make great God-honoring decisions. I'll teach you what my will is for your life. Anybody interested in that? Anybody want to know? A lot of hands going up. I, as a pastor, I get asked that question all the time. I get asked the question, people say, hey, how do I determine what God's will is for my life? God talks about that in scripture. So we're going to talk about that in this series as well. But for today, our exploration begins with one word. There's one foundational word that helps us learn how to make great God-honoring decisions. And that word is wisdom. Wisdom is the critical ingredient in us learning how to make decisions that really honor our God. And we cannot separate wisdom from great decision-making. They go hand in hand. So anytime you see a great decision being made, wisdom went before it. Now, our primary teacher for today is going to be the wisest man who ever lived. And to, um, I'm sure many of you, this is going to shock you, but it's not me. <laughs> I know. I know you're disappointed. I know you're trying to decide whether you're going to come back next week or not, but it's not me. I'm not the wisest man who ever lived. His name is Solomon. Uh, Solomon was the third king of the nation of Israel, and he had such incredible wisdom that God had given him that kings from all over the known world would come and just sit and listen. They said, hey, can we just sit around you and listen to you talk? And we just want to hear the wisdom that you have. And so there's a lot of kings from uh, other countries that would come and do that. And we don't have the benefit of doing that, but the benefit that we do have is that Solomon recorded much of his wisdom in the Bible for us. The Bible teaches that Solomon wrote over 3,000 proverbs. And a, a proverb is just like a, a little nugget of God's wisdom. And we have over 300 of those proverbs recorded in a book in the Bible called Proverbs. And it's in the, the Old Testament part of the Bible. And so we're going to spend some time in the book of Proverbs together. So we're going to start in Proverbs chapter one. If you have a Bible with you, feel free to turn over to that. If you want a Bible, you can grab one from the back of our seating section. Uh, if you don't have one, they'll be coming up on the screen, the verses. But now you may notice as you look around our auditorium, something's a little different than normal. If, if you normally come here to, to Epic, we have a, a few more lights on. Um, for the past two and a half years, we have not been able to adjust the lights other than off and on. And it makes it a little bit difficult in the context of what we're trying to do on a Sunday morning. So now, this morning, we were able to adjust the lights a little bit. So if you like to actually 
open a paper version of your Bible in front of you and read that, you can. It's possible. We have light for you. Um, If that's not a big deal to you, it's on the screen, okay? So if you need a Bible, go ahead and grab one. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 is where we're going to start. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. And David was the second king of the nation of Israel. If you remember David and Goliath, if you know that story, that's the David that we're talking about there. Uh, And God said about David that he was a man after his own heart that he would do what God wanted him to do. So he was king, and then he appointed Solomon as the next king. Verse 2 tells us the purpose of these Proverbs. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. I think it's something that all of us want to do. We all want to live successful lives. And and Solomon says, listen, like these Proverbs that I have, they'll teach you how to do that. How to, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. Verse four, these Proverbs will give insight to the simple and knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. So Solomon's writings were intended to help teach us wisdom. And out of that, comes us learning how to make great God-honoring decisions. Now, verse seven is where our first lesson in wisdom begins and where our confusion starts. So here we go. Verse seven says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, Solomon got that nugget of truth from his father, his father, David, said in Psalms 111, verse 10, he said, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Now, I don't know what happens uh, for you. I'm sure you're real similar to me, but there's oftentimes when I'm reading the Bible and I come across the verse that I don't understand, I'll tell God that. Like, God, what does that mean? Like, I don't understand that. Like, what does fear of the Lord mean? And how is that going to help me make a great God-honoring decision? Like, I don't get it. So uh, often, that's what happens in my world when I come across something I don't understand in the Bible. Well, I grew up in a church culture that explained that verse and verses like that this way. Uh, What I was taught growing up was, you know, it doesn't really mean that you're supposed to fear God. What it means is you're supposed to have a lot of respect for God and maybe a deep awe of him. Anybody else been taught that? Uh, hey, like, you know, don't fear God. Just have a, a great respect for him or, or a deep awe of him. Well, at the time when I was young, like I would hear that and go, okay, that makes sense. Like, I don't understand what this verse means. I don't really want to fear God. I don't know what to do with it. So deep respect and awe sounds great. Uh, the, the more I read the Bible, the older I got, the more I started to question, like, that doesn't seem to line up with other things I see in scripture. Like, it's not making sense anymore. And the reason is, anytime I'd come across a story where somebody would interact with God directly, there was fear involved. Like they looked like they were afraid. They didn't look like they just had deep awe and respect of God. It looked like they were really afraid of God. Um, uh, One prophet by the name of Isaiah, he had a vision of God. So just a vision of God seated on his throne in heaven. And Isaiah said, it's all over. I'm doomed from a sinful man. So he has this vision just seeing God, like not like he wasn't right there in that moment, but he was seeing this vision of God in heaven going, 
Like, it's over. My, my life is over. I'm about to die. And then on another occasion, God revealed him, himself to a guy by the name of the Apostle John. And when God revealed himself, it said, John said this. He said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. That doesn't look like deep respect and awe to me. That looks like intense fear. Um, and, and I wonder, like, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, how do I apply that to my life? Is that what God wants? Does God just want me to be terrified of him? And if so, how does that help me make great decisions? Listen to what um, Moses told the nation of Israel about fearing God. Moses was the, the leader at that time. God spoke through Moses. And uh, in Exodus chapter 20, Moses went up on a mountain to talk to God to get the Ten Commandments. So God was giving the Ten Commandments at that moment. The, the nation of Israel was standing around the mountain, not too close, but they were standing around it. They were watching. They were watching clouds all around the mountain, lightning, thunder. God was speaking in the thunder. And then verse 18 of Exodus 20 says, when the people heard the thunder and loud blasts of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance with deep awe and respect of God. It doesn't say that. It says, trembling with fear. So they're just listening to God speak in the thunder, and they're shaking. In verse 19, they said to Moses, Moses, you speak to us, and, and we'll listen, but don't let God speak directly to us, or we will die. So they were terrified of just God's voice. And Moses said in verse 20, don't be afraid. For God has come in this way to test you and so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. So Moses said two very interesting things I want us to explore. Uh, the first thing he says, don't be afraid. Now it's a little confusing. Solomon said, you know, we should fear God. And Moses says, don't be afraid of him. So we'll get back to that in just a minute. But the second thing that he said was your fear of God will keep you from sinning. So our fear of God can keep us from making bad decisions. And the reverse is also true. Our fear of God can help us make better decisions. Now, let me explain. When I was uh, a teenager, I was one of those teenagers who loved to kind of walk the fence. Uh, my parents raised me to know God and love God. Uh, as far as I can remember in my life, my parents have had me involved in church, involved in uh, instruction of what it means to be in a relationship with God through the Bible. And uh, so I, I grew up uh, around uh, these concepts that God loves you and wants a personal relationship with you, and I wanted that. As I got into high school, I went to a large public high school outside of Orlando, and as I was in high school, I tried my best to do this balancing act. I tried to balance my love for God and my desire to be in a close relationship with him and my desire to do what all my friends at high school were doing. And I'm sure you can imagine that those things didn't always line up with each other. So I would look at my friends at school and watch them do whatever they wanted. You know, their parents didn't care a lot of times. And I was like, man, I, I want to be like them. I want to fit in. I want to I you know, be like one of the cool kids. And so I did this balancing act of trying to put these two things together that don't go together. I didn't do a very good job of it. Not possible. I didn't do a good job of it at all. But at the time... My dad was alive. He's, he's passed a number of years ago, but at the time my dad was alive, and, and my dad wasn't abusive or anything, but I had a very healthy fear of my dad. 
I had a fear, like anybody else have a fear of your dad or one of your parents? Like, so I had this fear of my dad, of what my dad would do if I outright disobeyed him. Did I outright disobey him? Yes, on many occasions. But my fear of him kept me from disobeying him on many more occasions. Here's one example. One summer, my parents were away for a few weeks and they left me home. So as a teenager, they left me home with my older sister. Okay, um, my message to my sister once my mom and dad left the house was, you're not the boss of me, <laughs> so leave me alone. So I could drive at the time, and uh, while my parents were away, I made a few decisions for myself that I would not have made if my parents were home, and that kind of irritated my sister, and my sister broke the brother-sister bond. She called my dad. Like, we're still in therapy trying to work that out between us, you know. I mean, she just violated, the, you know, the core code that we had. She called my dad one night when I'd stayed out way too late with my friends. And I, she got real nervous, real worried for me, where I was, didn't know what was happening with me. I was out, and I didn't care to come home and let her know what was happening. So uh, I got home, and she informed me, you're going to get a phone call from dad tomorrow. So dad called the next day short conversation. He asked me one question. He said, son, do I need to come home and help you make better decisions? My answer was short. No, sir. (laughs) My fear of my father helped me make better decisions the rest of the time that they were gone. And in the same way, our fear of God, I think, can help us make better decisions. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28. He said, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, the point is this. One day, we're all gonna stand before God and give an account of our lives. We'll answer for the decisions that we have made in our lifetime. And on that day, none of us will flippantly interact with God. You know, none of us are, are going to stand before God and say, yo, yo, God, what's up? <laughs> Not going to happen. If you've ever wondered what you might say to God in your first interaction, that won't be one of them. When we come face to face with the majesty, the glory, the power, the holiness of our great God, I think we will be humbled to the core of our being. We'll have no arrogance to muster, no pride in our accomplishments. We won't be able to go back and change any of our decisions. We won't be able to hide behind any of our excuses. We won't be able to blame anybody else for the decisions that we have made. In that moment, our secret intentions will be laid bare for all to see. And at that time, we'll stand in the presence of the only one who can welcome us into heaven or banish us to an eternity in hell. I think fear will be a very appropriate response in that moment. Now, watch what happens next. Uh, The first thing that Moses said to the nation of Israel after they were afraid of God's voice, first thing he said was, don't be afraid. And then when John uh, fell flat on his face like a dead man before God, God like reached over and said, hey, John, don't be afraid. Anytime God or an angel interacted directly with humanity, their first words were, don't be afraid. And in 1 John 4, we have the fear of God twist. So hold on. So this whole story that we've been building so far is going to twist a little bit. So hang on for the ride. 
Verse 16, 1 John 4 says this, God is love. It doesn't say that God has love. It doesn't say that God is loving. It says that God is love. So whatever it really means to be loving, that is God. God embodies love. So God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Verse 18, such love has no fear. So God's love, and when we're living in God's love, the way that God wants us to, such love has no fear because perfect love expels, or another way to say that is casts out all fear. Now, I'm about to sound like I'm talking in circles, but I really think this is part of what it means for us to learn how to fear God. If we truly, truly knew God for who he really is, if we truly feared him the way that David and Solomon suggested, I think we'd see that there's nothing else in life to be afraid of. Nothing. We wouldn't fear what people think about us. We wouldn't fear what people might do to us. We wouldn't fear losing our jobs or our homes or our health. We wouldn't fear death. And we wouldn't even fear God himself because God's love casts out all fear. You see, I think there's a big difference between fearing God and being afraid of God. I feared my dad, but I was not afraid of my dad. My dad loved me, and I knew it. I knew my dad would do anything and everything to help me understand his love. And I think the same thing applies to God. We can, be, uh, we can fear God and not be afraid of him. God loves us. And he wants us to understand his incredible love for us. He wants us to understand he'll never do anything to hurt us. He does everything to help us. So understanding who God is, that he is love, his love casts out all fear, is the key to knowing him. It's the key to learning wisdom. And it's the key to ultimately learning how to make great God-honoring decisions. And I think this is part of what fearing God means. I think it means that we understand how much God loves us. I think it means that that's in front of us on a regular basis, that we see that. And when we're making decisions, we're going, God loves me. God went to great lengths to prove his love to me. I think it also uh, means that we understand how much our decisions affect our relationship with God. So talk about the bad decisions, which... Uh, I mean, the sin decisions, those moments we say, you know what, I, I kind of, I'm tempted to do what I want to do regardless of what God thinks. Those moments, I think the more we understand fear of the Lord, we'll have less of those moments. I think keeping in front of us fear of God, God's love for us, God is love, all that he's done for us, I think that can help us go, man, I don't want to make a decision that's going to hurt my relationship with God. I want to make a decision. I want to do anything and everything to show God I am so grateful for what he's done for me, that it, he's offered me his love, his grace, his mercy. And I want to be careful about the decisions that I make. I think that's part of what it means to understand the fear of the Lord. So the first step in learning to be a person of wisdom, the first step in learning to make great God-honoring decisions is learning what it means for us to fear the Lord. And the, the more we get to know God, the more we understand we have nothing to be afraid of. 
Nothing. Now, here's the tricky part of our service. What do we do with this? You know, as we, as we get up and leave and we go about our week, what do we do with this? And how does this help us make better God-honoring decisions? Well, the first thing I think we should do is start a conversation with God. Again, there are some truths in the Bible that they're not easily picked up. They're not easily understood. We've got to start a conversation that we have with God over and over and over again. And again, this is one of them. Uh, over 10 years ago, a men's group that I was in, we came across this verse again. And we all said to each other, like, we don't know what this means, but we want to spend some time understanding this. And so I began a conversation, the guys that were in the group with me, we began a conversation that we've been on over the past 10 years saying, God, teach me what this means. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand this. And, and after today's message, you may say like, yeah, it's obvious. You really don't get it. You don't understand what fear of the Lord means. This is something that we wrestle with for a long time. I think we hold tightly to it for the rest of our lives. I think it's one of the things we've got to keep in front of us because it's the foundation for learning wisdom. It's the beginning. It's the first step. It's the first thing that we have to learn as we're learning to make great God-honoring decisions. So I encourage you, begin a conversation with God about that. During our final song, a worship team is going to come out. They're going to sing a new song for us about trusting God. And what I encourage you to do is use the song as an opportunity to say, God, teach me, please. I need help with this one. I don't fully understand this. So I'm, I'm opening a conversation that I hope goes on for the rest of our lives. Teach me what it means to really fear you, to know you, and how I can benefit from that as I'm learning how to make great God-honoring decisions. Now, the next thing I encourage you to do is to read the book of Proverbs. There's incredible wisdom there. So if we'll spend time immersing ourselves in the wisdom that God provides, that's, again, one of the ways that we grow in wisdom. So during this series, I would love for us as a church family to be reading Proverbs together. There's 31 Proverbs, uh, so we can read one chapter per day. If you'll pick up one of our spiritual growth challenges, uh, we make those available at our Connection Center before you leave. It's just a one-sheet document that's got a Bible reading plan on it, so it's got listed out the, the chapters that you can be reading throughout this series. There's questions on there for deeper reflection. Uh, there's some action items for, for us to take this message a little bit farther in our lives, so I encourage you to, to grab one of those and just follow along with the Bible reading plan. If you need a Bible, grab one of the paperbacks at the back of each seating section as our free gift to you. We'd love for you to have a Bible and a Bible reading plan. So if you need either of those, grab those on your way out today. Now, another thing I ask you to do is come back next week. All right, so I know today was a little bit confusing. I know we didn't like wrap it up in a nice little bow. And I know you're gonna walk out of here going like, I'm not exactly sure what to do with this. So come back next week. Next week will be uh, a lot less confusing and it'll be the next thing I think that God wants us to, to learn and know as we're learning how to make great God-honoring decisions. Now, let me say one final thing before I pray and our worship team comes out. There are a number of you that right now are faced with some major decisions. And you're probably thinking, you know, I don't know that I have a, a few weeks or a month or you know, six months or a year to make this decision. I need God's wisdom and I need it now. It could be a relational uh, decision you have to make, a financial decision, a health decision. There may be all kinds of, of heavy decisions that we need to make in our lives. Um, for those who are brave enough to do this, is anybody in that spot? Anybody got to make a big decision? Okay, there's a number of. So I'd like to end today by praying directly for you. 
And when our worship team comes out and guides us through this final song, uh, if you need a direct prayer, would like to pray with someone, uh, we're going to have some people in the back over here that would love to pray with you. So they'll have a sticker on their shirt that says prayer. So just walk up, find somebody uh, that has a sticker on their shirt that says prayer again in that back section. And uh, they would love to pray with you. So um, would, would you all stand with me uh, so we, we can close in prayer and... Um, we're going to pray for those that need to make a decision. So let's pray together. So God, here we start in this series on decisions. And uh, Lord, we start with a really difficult uh, uh, topic, a subject that, that requires that we dig deeper. And, and we don't just uh, learn it quickly. We don't just learn it in one message. Lord, this is a uh, a topic that we have to marinate in. We've got to spend some time in understanding what fear of the Lord really means and how that can help us learn wisdom, how that can help us make great decisions. So Lord, um, I just acknowledge this is a tough one. It's confusing. But for you and your perspective, it's the first step in us learning what you want us to learn. Wisdom is built upon this. So Lord, we as your followers say, please teach us. We need wisdom. We need to know what this means in our lives. We need to know how to live it on a daily basis because we want to learn how to make great God-honoring decisions. And today, Lord, there are a number of people here that have to make a decision. They don't have a lot of time. They've, they've uh, got a short amount of time to make a financial decision, a job decision, a health decision, a relationship decision, whatever. Lord, you know exactly what they need to decide. Lord, I pray that you would speak powerfully to them. Lord, whether that's through your written word, whether that's through prayer, that's through other people, whether that's through circumstances, Lord, I pray that you would speak powerfully to them. I pray that you would give them your peace that passes all understanding. Pray that they would take a leap of faith and trust in you. Even in those moments, Lord, we're not sure what to do or what decision to make. I pray that they would trust in you as they are stepping towards you with this decision. So Lord, use whatever resources you need to for us to understand what you want us to do in this specific spot. Thanks for being a God who cares about us. Thanks for being a God who says, I'll help you. You just ask me. So Lord, we're asking and we know that you're gonna help us. Teach us how to trust you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so glad you're here today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Carla and I'm going to tell you what's going on here at Epic. If this is your first time at Epic, we're so glad that you've chosen to check us out. If you'd like to know more about who we are, please stop by the Connection Center on your way out. We'd love to meet you and give you some information about us. We are sending two teams to work with our partner in Antigua, Guatemala this summer. If you're like most of us and not going to Guatemala this year, there are still ways that you can be involved. Our teams are going to build four homes for families, invest in at-risk kids, and provide much-needed medical care. Each home costs about $2,500 to build, and our medical team is looking to provide prescription medications, vaccinations, and over-the-counter medications. You can give towards the cost of the house build, the prescription medications and vaccinations, or you can bring in a bottle of over-the-counter medications that will be distributed at the clinic. There's a handout on your seat called Not Going Give. 
with specific information about how you can be involved. Today is the last day to donate. Today we're having Epic Day at the Park. Join us at 5.30 p.m. at Wadsworth Park off of State Road 100. Bring your friends and your dinner and be prepared to have some fun. We'll be meeting at the pavilion in the back towards the soccer fields. Hey everyone, we just wanted to let you in on something new. Don't let the word out, but this August, Epic is starting a new middle school ministry called Pipeline. It's for sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And then Surge will be relaunching for 9th through 12th grades in August. Now you didn't hear that from me, but keep listening in the months to come. If you call Epic home and you want to support what we do to make a difference in our community, there are two ways you can give. Either through our giving boxes behind each of the seating sections or online at theepicchurch.com. Well, those are our announcements for today. To find out more about what's going on at Epic, like us on Facebook or visit the website theepicchurch.com. Enjoy the rest of service. <music>